0: Welcome to Larpender Life, the podcast about H.P. St. Paul in the 80s and 90s. I'm your host, Dave Carey.
1: And of course, that's when I would let the boys know whether they need a haircut or not. (laughs) Gambled like crazy half of the night because we had to leave the next day I loved it there. Not getting choked up, just talking about it.
0: This is episode six, and my guest today is Sophie Sorensen. If you missed any of the previous episodes, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach me at LarpenderLife at gmail.com. And now here's my discussion with Sophie. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Larpender Life. My guest for today is Sophie Sorensen. Sophie, thank you very much for joining me here today.
1: Dave, thank you for asking me.
0: I don't even know, Sophie. Where are you from and how did you how did you get connected to HP in the first place?
1: Well, back in 1979. I had just become single. Therefore, I needed a full-time job. Now, I happened to see an ad in the paper, in the Star Tribune, and it was HP's ad for a secretarial position, I guess you would have called it. But wait a minute, that's not even true. I was working for a temporary company, and they sent me to HP, and I worked as a temp, Bobby Bodie was the manager then, and I started working with Mike Hayes and Linda Haas back in service. And a lot of the people who were there kept asking me, "Well, when are you going to come full time? When are you going to come full time?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. If you have an opening, you know, and I get interviewed, we'll see what happens." Well, it did happen. Bobby Bodie offered me that job, and I took it. And then I moved over to sales, sales support. By the way, I think I had more bosses at HP than anybody. I had Bobby Bodie, Nancy Ketchell, Rod Petrus, Dan Lee, and Jack Wambacher was my last one. So I did get to move around. And then they were looking for a supervisor, and I'm getting all these applications, you know, from my peers. And I said to Robin Hammer, I said, why haven't I applied for this? <laughs> she, all she said was, Sophie, I don't know why you didn't. You'd be good at it or whatever she said. So I applied and lo and behold, I got the job.
0: So can you remember back when you started how big the office was at that time? And what, what, what was life at HP like back then?
1: It was the little office on Prior Avenue and we were growing because then we moved into those trailers and worked out of those for a while while the new office was being built.
0: Okay. So what was it like when you had to work in those trailers then as the new office was being built?
1: It was fun. I thought it was fun. We didn't have to stay in them very long. Let's just put it that way. Then we moved over to the big office and that place grew to, uh, what was it? Three hundred right employees were there.
0: And as you went through those uh, those changes, when we added a lot of people, how did that? How did things change in the culture? Do you think?
1: I'm going to sound like those other five employees that commented on the culture and the HP way, Dave. There wasn't one day while I worked at HP that I did not want to go to work. I loved it there. <laughs> Not getting choked up, just talking about it.
0: That's okay, Sophie.
1: It was the best job I ever had. The people were wonderful. They're still wonderful. I go to those uh, Tuesday before Thanksgiving get-togethers at Joe Sensors, and I wouldn't miss one of those for anything. But the culture at HP was family. Totally family. When I was in HR, I got to do the orientation for all the new employees, four, five, six people on a Monday morning, every morning. It was just growing, growing, growing. And of course, that's when I would let the boys know whether they need a haircut or not.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Sophie, I'm going to tell you a little story about the first time that you and I met in 1983 on my very first day of work. Uh, you you did the orientation for me, and I'm sure you don't remember this, but you didn't say anything about my hair, which was certainly longer than it is now. But you you did tell me. You pulled me aside, and you said, "Dave, that tie that you're wearing doesn't really go with that shirt very well." And I said, "Oh, really?" I said, "I I went to the store. You know, I I'd come right out of college, so I didn't know anything about." anything slightly dressier or business attire. So I just went to a Dayton's, I think, and uh, ended up looking at a mannequin. And I I bought the tie and the shirt that was on the mannequin because I figured that must go. And so I told you that and you said, well, they don't really know anything. <laughs> and you, you gave me the tip on what I needed to go buy. And that night on my first night uh, of working at HP, after working at HP, I went and fixed it. So uh, you're, I'm one of the people that you helped out that way, so I really do appreciate that. I'm sure there are countless other people who appreciated all your your assistance in that way.
1: There was one incident when uh, I don't even remember his name. His name was first name was Jim. He came to work in this white shirt that needed ironing so bad. It was it was ridiculous. I went over to him and I said, don't you own an iron? And he looked at me and said, why? What's the matter? I said, Jim, it looks like you just took that thing out of the washer and put it on. He didn't like what I said, but I didn't care at the time. (laughs) At HP, you could tell jokes. You could compliment people. You could tell them they needed a haircut, they would not care, they would laugh, and they'd come back and say, Sophie, how's this? I'd say, much, much better. That's why I could never work in an, I don't know if I could work any place now, because I would have to keep my mouth shut constantly.
0: So when you were supervising the admin folks that dealt with sales, how was the relationship between between admin and sales? How did that work?
1: I thought it worked pretty well. There was, when I was a support person, I remember we were told, that phone rings, you answer it. However, everybody was supposed to do that. Salesman, the service But there was one guy that I supported. I won't even say his name, but if he listens to this, he'll know who I'm talking about. I approached him one day and I said, hey, we were just told that you guys are supposed to answer your own phones if they ring. And he just let me have it. He said, that's my phone. If I want to answer it, I will. If not, I won't. And I thought, okay, I guess I got told. But that was probably the only time in 17 years that somebody I did not agree with. But we were still friends.
0: Was the HP way something that people talked about back then, you know, right from the get-go when you started?
1: Well, I probably when I started, I didn't understand it. But we certainly talked about managing by wandering around and open door policy. Oh, I know what really got to me was, it was a shock, the first name deal, even Bill and Dave. Because of my age, I was brought up that anybody older than you, parents, authoritative people or whatever, you called them Mr. or Mrs. with their last name. And that's how I brought my kids up until things changed. So that was a Big surprise to me. And the other thing that surprised me about working for Hewlett Packard, and I'm sure it was the same in other high-tech companies, I could not believe the amount of people at that time who would work at HP for maybe three, four years, mostly in sales, three, four years, all of a sudden they're gone. They went to another company, probably for more money and blah, blah, blah. I was not used to that. We, My parents, my dad, and uncles and whoever, they were at their jobs for 35, 40, 45 years. Back then, it was not, people moved around. But then I see all these HP people who just quit and they were there for 40 years, and which was good. I, I'd like to hear that.
0: So when you went from a um, support person yourself to a supervisor, uh, how was that? Was that challenging?
1: Very, yes. Because of, the, oh, yeah, I, I sort of got into trouble a couple times because of the way my thinking was. You know, Dave, when I was brought up, you did what your parents told you to. You never said no. You never talked back You because you'd get it, you know. So I had a problem with bending, with not sticking to black and white. I had to learn how to expand my whatever. If he said no overtime, there was no overtime. Until I left this one day on vacation and somebody complained that they couldn't stay to finish a job or something, I heard about that one, that I I have to be more flexible But when I was brought up, you did what you were told. And so that was hard for me.
0: Sophie, earlier you mentioned the haircut advice that you'd often give to us guys in the office. But I also seem to remember one time when your son came into the office and that whole thing kind of backfired on you. Do I remember that right?
1: One day, my oldest son visited at the office and He had long, curly hair. I mean, long, down to the shoulders. And he had just gotten a perm. And who comes by but Don Skelecki? Do you remember him? Oh, sure. He came over and I introduced him to Dennis. And he looked at me and he said, this is your son? I said, yep, I died. I just, he said... You better send him to the barber. <laughs> I said, end of subject. They don't listen to me. <laughs> well, the other one, when I turned 50, it was supposed to be a surprise party in the office. But somebody had made a trip to Chicago, the off, uh, Rolling Meadows, and must have told somebody that they were planning a party for me. Well, that person happened to be visiting Minneapolis a couple of weeks later. And he said, oh, I hear there's going to be a big party here. I said, oh, my goodness, that was supposed to be a surprise. So it was very hard for me to act surprised on my birthday because the cat was out of the bag. But it was a wonderful birthday party. Jan Dickus, I have to tell you this the hair bit again, Jan Dickerson went and cut, I'm not kidding, a clip of hair from 50 guys in that office and staple each one to a label. They're all stapled onto this roll of labels with your name on it. Yep. And I kept that. I, I thought this is really something. Anyway, it was a fun party.
0: You mentioned that you liked every boss that you had during your time at HP. Can you share an example of why that is?
1: Jan Dickerson and I went out to lunch one day with a couple of the sales reps that we were supporting. And of course, we didn't get back at one o'clock. We didn't get back till probably four. And I knew, I knew somebody knew. The next morning, Bobby Bodie was my supervisor then. She called me into a room and she's, I don't remember the exact words, but she started reprimanding me. And I, I stopped her right in her tracks. I said, Bobby, I said, I'm probably next to the oldest one in this office. I said, I know we did wrong. I know we didn't call in, but it'll never happen again. She said, okay, meeting over. (laughs) So that was that.
0: I think that's a great example because who hasn't, done something like that, or made some mistake in their career. And sometimes in some office environments, you have to be petrified almost of that and not admit it because who knows what kind of consequences will come from it. And we had plenty of mistakes made by employees, but everybody was pretty cool with it. And as long as you were trying to do your your best, the leadership was really understanding of mistakes, I think.
1: Yes, I, I think they were too.
0: Did, uh, as the admin supervisor, did you um, get to go to the sales meetings, the off-site sales meetings or kickoffs? And what was that experience like if you did?
1: Funny you should mention that because I was just thinking about all the trips I got to take. We, we went to some pretty neat places. And I have to tell you one story. We were having a supervisor's meeting in uh, Padre Island, Texas. And LaVon was making the reservations for about eight people. And she showed Jack how much it was going to cost. He says, uh, says, no, you got to find a better way to get there. So she went back and she comes back with this schedule. Okay, we'll fly to Texas, whatever city we went to. Went to South Padre Island, but she said we could save a lot of money on the way back if we go from South Padre to Tennessee and then go to Las Vegas overnight. So <laughs> that's what we did. Gambled like crazy half of the night because we had to leave the next day. And the funniest thing well, it wasn't funny, it was we were very envious. Jerry Foggerlin from Iowa. Was that his last name? I think so. He comes back wearing a new jacket from the casino and $8,000 that he had just won.
0: I'm sure you all made a lot of money too, right?
1: No, none. But that that was a trip.
0: I really appreciate you joining me today, Sophie, and taking the time to talk to me. I'm sure everybody would like to get a little bit of a quick update on what you're up to these days and how life is going for you.
1: Life is fine. I live in my townhouse right in Arden Hills, just a mile from Bethel College, and I'm totally retired. It'll be 25 years in October. What do I do? Last year, forget it. We didn't play bridge. We didn't go to lunch. We we didn't do a lot of things. Didn't go work out. Still not playing bridge. I do work out five out of seven days at the New Brighton Community Center. I do a little traveling. I have 12 grandchildren, four great-grandchildren.
0: Oh, my goodness. That must keep you busy.
1: Well, it used to. You know, once they grow up, they're grandma who? (laughs) They're into their own things.
0: Well, before I uh, let you go entirely here, Sophie, I know we're, our listeners, it's all audio, but I know we're on Zoom and you can see me. I just, I want to make sure I'm going to show you left and right. I just want to make sure my hair is short enough. Is this, that okay? It's perfect. (laughs) All right. Good. I passed the test. Well, thank you again, Sophie. I'm really looking forward to the time when we can get together for one of those Tuesday before Thanksgiving events at Joe Sensors or wherever. And maybe we'll we'll get a big group together, it'll really be special.
1: Yeah. Dave, I want to thank you for doing this and I hope you find enough good stuff in that to keep. Okay, bye.
0: Thanks for listening. Larpenter Life is produced solely by me, Dave Carey. It's not affiliated or sponsored by HP in any way. Please let me know what you think of the podcast. And also, I would love to have you, yes, you, as a guest. It's really easy, I promise. If you're up for it, please send me an email at larpenderlife@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until then, take care, everybody.